You're listening to episode 10 of Elevate Talks. This week, we've got Sean Evans, host on the viral YouTube interview show, Hot Ones, and Rich Antonello, founder and CEO of Complex Media. The two discuss a number of topics, including how to attract and build a loyal audience and how they ensure their content stands out amongst all the digital content on the internet space. All right, before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much to Chorus for all the support over the last couple months. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean Evans, and I host a show called Hot Ones on First We Feast channel under the Complex Networks. And uh, we interview celebrities while eating increasingly spicy chicken wings. And you know, I thought I'd peaked eating the wings of death with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show or sitting across the table from... Scarlett Johansson and Gordon Ramsay and Stone Cold Steve Austin, but little did I know that one day I would be at Elevate talking to the CEO of Complex Networks. Let's make some noise for Rich Antonello. I love that. We've done this before. We have had wings. We've had many a chat, but this one's long overdue because it's been a while since we've had some sort of uh, connection. For those who don't know, Rich and I, we've been together for Five years now. Uh, been together? Let's been not together. take that out of context. We, uh, wow. Take it however you take it however you want. But yeah, working together yeah. now here for five Feels years. Feels like fifteen. It does. We've had we've had some ups. We've had some downs. But <laughs> let's just get started with this. Like for those in the room who don't know, what is complex and what distinguishes it from the brands that it sometimes gets lumped in with, like GQ or Bleacher you don't have Report to and High. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I think. You know, look, we, and I'm intentionally not going to use the word media, like we are, to me, the most meaningful youth culture brand in the world right now. And why that is, is because we start conversations. We don't just report on them. We're not, ju- we're not a news outlet. Um, we're creating a ton more of original series and franchises uh, from a video perspective. And specific to, like, the buy side, if anybody's in here, a very simple thing is usually with a lot of our competitors, you have to choose between scale and credibility or influence. With us, you get both. So it's efficient in that perspective, from that perspective as well. Uh, no bash on anybody, but just different. How do you think Complex is adjusting to the ever-evolving consumer behavior of its audience? I mean, I, I, I'm going to flip the question. I don't think that we react to it. I think you have to realize um, the sneaker category wouldn't be as big as it was if we hadn't been driving it. You know, I always look at us as like the prism. Uh, we take, you know, vertical cultures and, and translate them for the masses and make them more relevant or take a mass conversation and make it relevant to the vertical. And I think what we've been able to do from a food culture perspective, uh, I mean, it's not like we copied somebody's show or copied an, an idea. Um, I, I, I think what we're trying to do is, is take advantage of um, optimize and maximize. Take advantage implies exploitation. That's not what I'm saying. It's like, how do we as a brand add value from a narrative perspective and add value from a product perspective and add value from an experience perspective to an audience that wants something unique and different on a consistent basis, and most brands just do also-ran shit. 
That's a richism right there. Uh, what, for, uh, what do you think is something that the audience could learn from you in terms of uh, you know, reaching young people? Maybe something they might find surprising. Well, I mean, you know, we, I don't know if you remember this. We, had, we, were, we were screaming each, at each other about the true uh, about the uh, true stories, right? <laughs> about um, the future of Hot Ones, what, three, four years ago? Yeah. And um, there's, I say it this way, this, you've never seen a generation that is more brand conscious, let, yet less brand loyal than ever before. Um, now, look, that is also the... If, and why I think that's an irrefutable argument is you wouldn't have the success of DTC brands if that wasn't the case. So if you are a traditional brand, that is a very fearful statement. If you are a new up-and-coming upstart, it is the greatest opportunity you've ever seen in the world. Um, and I think this audience, you know, the, the biggest misnomer about youth culture um, and, and it's a great way to, to prove out a lot of our businesses is supposedly this is they're not consumers. They're all about experiences instead of acquiring things. Well, if that was the case, we wouldn't have 70,000 people paying $175 to go buy more shit at ComplexCon, right? I mean, maybe other brands have dotted line relationships with people who are only looking for experiences. We bring experiences, product, and actually consumers to the table, and I think there's a big misnomer. It's not that these kids are not looking to buy products, they are, but you have to have a story behind it, you have to stand for something, and you have to message that to them. And ideally, you're working with brands like us to help you do that. And I think that that's, sorry, that was a really roundabout no, but, way, but... But it's, it's so, it's such a part of the DNA of hot ones, that's you know? And, 100%. And, uh, and specifically, the hot sauce thing, right? Which started for us as a, as a way to, you know, everybody shops online, everybody watches, like, you know, is watching the show, but how can you give fans something that they can, that they can physically hold, like that they can touch, that they can put on their shelf? Like how, how can they connect in a more intimate way with the thing that you're making that they're always consuming That's from their like- UGC content, 10,000 miles away, it. yeah. And uh, it's funny because like, it's not like we had these big dreams of like building this huge hot sauce company. Like nope. we really just wanted a promo item, and then we just like pfft, sold through it like Adele tickets, and like uh, sold out the <laughs> whole. Like it was the whole, the whole, our whole first batch went in 90 seconds. Like our distributors, right. like it's like a record, for like the fastest. And then we're like, oh, like all By of the a way, sudden, like. And this is a $20 hot sauce. Yeah. For four ounces, right? So think about that. Like this. Like, we are very intimately involved in that. And the other thing was, is when we started doing the research of all the hot sauce companies that we were working with, is, you know, people like Da Bomb, yeah. which ends up, ended up becoming the number one selling hot sauce on Amazon. Yeah, no, it's and crazy. And it, it's not because it's, it's flavorful. <laughs> no, definitely not. And, like, it is crazy. Like, when I was, like, I went to a, a hot sauce expo one time, and then there's this guy, and he's like, he's like, I know you. I know you. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you mentioned our hot sauce in a video one time. We sold out of our entire stock in a day. And then he was like, he was like, we were just thought it was, like, some abnormality. Like, they're like, what happened? And, like, traced it back to this thing. But it just, you know, started as a way to try to connect with the audience, and all of a sudden you're reacting to a marketplace need. But, but the hot sauce... Is, is a proof point of the depth of connection that we have with the end audience, right? You wouldn't be able to sell that product 
if even if we got the same amount of views that we get, and you know, I know you like your 24-hour cum. It's like here's 10 million views in the first 24 hours. Here's 30 million in the first week, and it's like TV numbers, right? This is amazing. A big, and, like big TV shows. No, yeah. big. And by the way, we have what? Like sneaker shopping, uh, burger show, everyday struggle, full size run. Like I mean, basically, it's an entire slate of stuff. But my point there is, we didn't launch the hot sauce as a diversification of revenue from a business perspective and try and just jam it down their throat. We created a community that people care about the, the level that they care about these brands and all of those shows that we just talked about. They get crazy view counts, but it's the impact and influence of the brands and the two-way conversation that we're able to have with these end consumers that make us successful why we can do things like the hot sauce. Yeah. So we're coming at it differently than a lot of other people where they're like, oh, let me get this many views and then let me, I'll have an attribution model at the bottom and I'm trying to reverse engineer. By the way, try and reverse engineer to this, like, this sector and this target audience, have fucking fun. You're yeah. dead in the water. It's not gonna happen. And you know, I think we just sit on the other side of being the kings of impact and influence. From yeah, that and I, it has to be that way. Like even with the hot sauces, it's like, well, it's all, pr it's a, it's a quality product thing. Like whether you're making an episode or a hot sauce, like it has to be so good, especially now, where anyone can do whatever they want with their eyes and ears and their time. You know, like from like cable to any movie you want on demand to Netflix and Hulu and Spotify and Apple Music and all these like different, you know, like all the different things that you can do on like whether social media, or whatever. Like there's so many things that you can do with your eyes and ears that. Every Everything, whether it's like product or a show or whatever, it has to be like so unimpeachably excellent just to get anywhere, like just to float to any level. Well, yeah, but that's an, an interesting way of looking at it. I think there's the there's two sides of the coin of the fragmentation and segmentation of distribution platforms, right? Most people are, are whine about it. Most media brands whine about it and go, "Oh my God, it's so hard. I have to like make this for this platform and this for." I, we embrace the fragmentation and segmentation and go, it's an opportunity to win in different ways and have di different types of conversations. The one thing that we've been tremendously successful for is we've never like, said, okay, well, here's Hot Ones is a YouTube show only, right? right? We've been able to take that audience and move it to whether it's Fuse, whether it's MSG, whether it's Comcast in LA, whether it's uh, Snapchat, we can take that audience and move them with the one product, not an iterative play on other platforms. And again, you know, most people are like, oh, well, I make a program and I optimize it for that. And they make something specific for that platform. Well, if you're trying to chase and reverse engineer, that's what you do. If you actually know how to build a community and have a narrative to tell and believe that, you have a, that, that people are ride or die for your brand and from a community perspective, you can take them and move them around. It's just there's very few media brands who have the ability to move and motivate their audience to support them across all platforms. Does that make sense? Sorry. All right. For the media companies in the room, how do they not only start but own the conversation in such a crowded space? feel like maybe that was what we just chatted about. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I think, you know, instead of... The one thing that people are not doing, and not to, to talk the business side of it right now, is um, you know uh, you guys all go and do you guys do the digital upfronts out here, right? And um, what amazes me about the digital upfronts in the United States is 
almost everybody who does it goes in and shows, here's all the shit we want to make if you are willing to write the check. By the way, to me, if you really think about what that says between the lines is, we're not confident enough in ourselves to deficit finance this, and we know we don't know what we're doing, but we'll, we'll take your money to do it. That's what that says. Like, don't kid yourself. What we do is we go out and tell you, here's the slate we're gonna make, and we go develop it. If you wanna come along for the ride, great. And I think my point there is two things, is A, you have to figure out what is unique and different from a messaging perspective, um, and what is your voice, and you better have a voice as a brand. And on the other side is you actually have to put your money where your mouth is and invest. And right now there's not a lot of media companies looking to invest, because they've also been poorly run things, so they're trying to get the profitability, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I think that to me is invest from a business perspective and find your voice on the qualitative side. Okay. Do you think engagement, like comments, influencers engaging with viewers, does that affect success? And if so, how does this impact your process as you try to program across screens? I mean, look, you're going to have as much to say on this as possible. I'm going to tell a little story, and I think you, you'll remember this as well. Like, uh, and not, not because Sean wasn't fabulous from day one, he really was, but Hot Ones viewership was a dog for what, the first year? Like, I mean, it was Probably the first. It was a slog, the first season. Until the Key and Peel episode. Right, but it was, was a slog, is my point. Like, we would get like 5,000 views, mm -hmm. 6,000 views. Like, it was not this breakout success. But you know what I found amazing? Because from a business metrics perspective, it said everything pointed to cancel this shit, right? Like, everything pointed to it. But when we started looking at the view counts, we'd have as many comments as view counts. Yeah. And, that, and you, that means you mean so much to those people who did watch it, which is why you believe in it. And then when we started trying to think about making decisions, whether we were going to sell hot sauces, what platforms we were going to take it to, how we had to stay on YouTube, so on and so forth, all of that was based on the fact that we didn't want to walk away from that community and that conversation. And I think influences are completely overblown communities are not. And to me, that's the best way to say it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you said it, I think that that was a real bullseye. And I can say, like, my perspective from- It always my, is. From, okay. <laughs> I can, <laughs> let's just open it up. But, uh, but for me, I, uh, like, from inside the foxhole at that time, like, that's exactly how I felt. Like, the people who watched the show, like, the upvote to downvote ratio was always, like, insane. Like, better than any other show that I'd ever seen before. And, like, the comments would be like, this is the next big thing. Like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and I noticed that the people were, like, the same people coming back every week. So I'm like, oh, all right. Like, they don't care who the guest is. Like, they're coming for the show. So I was like, all right. Everybody who's in the tent is staying in the tent. We just have to get more people in the tent. And right. then that had to do with just getting, you know, certain... Um, and patience. And patience. Well, it is, it is like the same thing, the same problems that, have, that a lot of shows have. It is it's such a crowded and congested but, but, space. But, but, but yeah, but Hot Ones, that was what I was just about to say. Hot Ones is not an anomaly for us. Sneaker shopping, same thing, slow build. Um, the burger show was the exact opposite. Well, right? but it had the benefit of already having a loyal subscriber base that was like built 100%, in. hundred percent, and that's the network effect that everybody is always going for, is how do you get related topics and then have related shows? 
Like previously, you know the model that we used to be at. We, our model used to be a network model where we had all the best sites in the world. What we look at, on a, to simplify this, I look at the shows and the series and franchises that we have on our slate as the new roll-ups of the vertical dot-coms because that's where the communication is happening. It's not happening on individual websites any longer. That's not the way it is. We have to think about it differently. Those communities are now fragmented and segmented across social platforms and a mass amount of, of, of OTT consumption platforms as well, right? So how do you, you're not gonna win that fight. You're not gonna just hold them back. So how do you embrace that and win on the other side of it? And I think that that's the important delineation. Yeah, and then I just, I do remember how like when we would have like a big episode, all the other episodes would go up, you know, because like it's people, crazy. it was like always in a state of mass discovery. That's right. And then what was like so encouraging, how I knew that it would change everything was that when people discovered the show, they binge watched the entire thing. So like I just knew. I'd also like, never seen, to be fair, every other thing that was a runaway breakout success on YouTube were kind of like, what do they call that? The like where you're just, it's just like into the camera, like one-on-one right. -on -one type conversations. I'd never seen a series, like a show, that had that many people who became unsolicited brand ambassadors for us. Yeah. Like Brett, what's his name? Brett, Brett Baker. Brett Baker, right. I mean, we have a guy who's basically made a career out of being Sean's fanboy. No joke. <laughs> He does these power rankings for the show, and he, does, he has like a cult following, and like he goes to Nebraska games on Saturdays, and like That's the people stop him influence. on the street and take pictures with Hot One super fan Brett Baker. You know, uh, Russell Brand sang him an impromptu song, and uh, it, yeah, but you know, it's like um, I think that to your point, like we never wanted or cared about making like a YouTube show. No. Like, I, like to us, we always just wanted to be an interview show, and then the highest compliment we'd ever been paid was when Ricky Gervais called Hot Ones a mix between Charlie Rose and Jackass. And that's like, we we're like, all right, we're making this interview show, which is the oldest construct in the history of media. So that's not going anywhere. And we didn't set out to totally subvert it, but we were just like trying to solve for a problem. Celebrity interview shows are boring. How do we make them not boring or solve for that being hot sauce? But we didn't, but like in a way we accidentally made this show and everyone's always trying to make this show. Like what's it like to have a beer with this person? And everybody sucks at making that show. That's right. And we accidentally invented it because celebrity is inherently this like sort of status that's like unobtainable, but then there's nothing more common person than just dying on hot sauce. That's well, something that everybody knows. So it just brings everybody to the exact same level. Well, I mean, look, you said we've been working together for five years and you know my favorite word is differentiation, right? Like, if it's not fucking different, we're not doing it, right? So, and I mean that from an angle, like ideally, like the voice and the qualitative side, it's gotta be a fresh and different take for the end consumer, and then we want, and then from the business side, I, I put the same pressure on our teams of like, how does the distribution look different? How does the marketing of the show look different? And because A, that you have, in order to stand out in this cluttered place, in order to break through in the fragmentation and segmentation, you have to spend the time up front of knowing not just today how you're different, but what is that, how is the value exchange different and then your end consumer will, will become a fan for you. Because all this is just fandom stuff, right? Like that's what we're really talking about, is how do you create, create fanatics for your product? And it's never been, because of the way the world's set up with social, 
it's never been a better time to have fanatics. You need them if you want to have a breakout. You can't do it on your own. And you got to have that community. So I hate to come back to that, but there's a lot of strategy that goes into how we've ended up in all these places, not just with Hot Ones, but across the entire company of, of complex networks. All right, so let's say there's a, there's a piece of IP created, right? Like, how do, you, what do you, how do you want it to grow and develop under the complex network? Like, somebody creates IP, like, well, how do you, you want know, that to grow look, out this of the is Petri a, this dish? This is a good one, right? Um, I think that it, this is, we don't have a one-size-fits-all formula, right? I think that that's the other thing is, you know, believe me, if you've ever sat in a boardroom, like, or with an investor or anything, all they want is, all right, how does that model, right? Like, give me the straight line. How does everything exactly, like, rinse and repeat? Because so, they think that's efficiency and it's going to make, it, it never works that way, right? So what we do is you, if once you build that community, is that community going to be, is it a better way to monetize Hot Ones to sell that show to a large-scale network and get paid the most for the content? Or is it better to have a diversified revenue stream where we take it to festivals, we have our own First We Feast festival or our own Hot Ones play, and then we sell hot sauces and we get paid for the multiple windows of distribution. And, other, and to me, that, that optimization is, is unique for that show. Um, and I think it's the right model for Hot Ones, whereas if you look at some other things that we do, like the burger show, to me, I don't think, even though it has a voracious community, that's a show that I would think about taking vertically to like network TV and, 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 and monetizing it in one single way to maximize that asset because it's a different play, right? So you think about entry points and that diversification, that's the level of thought that you need to put into this. There is no one size fits all, there is no copying. You have to understand your audience, you understand your voice, and then that will hopefully give you your business plan. Do you think, uh, you know, you take this audience, young people, right? Which is like just such like a, it's just such a wide, uh, such a big thing. Do you think like complex is like, oh, we're making things for young people? Do you think of it that way? Um, I think we, look, we've always been, we've always covered the same exact topics, topics for 18 years. The only thing we've changed is the formats, right? We've iterated from print to text to video. Um, and multiple social iterations as well. And we've also iterated our distribution platform from magazine to uh, the internet to now OTT, right? So, but we've stayed true to those voices and those topics. It just so happens those topics also 18 years ago were looked at as very niche. And I, if you think about the way it is, is we never targeted youth culture and then what are they interested in? Right. We picked the topics that we love and know that have a disproportionate amount of impact and influence and became the definer of each of those categories and watched those topics disproportionately start to influence the rest of youth culture. And I know it sounds like I'm putting like a, like a science formula on it, but that's the way we really did think about it. And because um, nothing happens by accident. It wasn't a happy accident that we just happened to be like and got lucky like, oh, now let's jump on the bandwagon like, some other people like, oh, let's do sneakers. Let's do something kicks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's really <laughs> fucking core. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, have maybe fun that's, with that that's one. a differentiating quality right. in like the sorts of uh, media brands that we mentioned before is that sort of uh, cred that credibility issue. Right. And by the way, <laughs> there's never been a generation that will sniff that out faster. 
And if you're doing it just to go get ad dollars, They'll let you that know. also says a lot in the marketplace. And They'll there's plenty know. of brands trying to play that game. Call shit on them, by the way, you should. Because honestly, we'll all be better off to clear out that crap. Nobody should be an imposter out there. Can't afford it in this day and age. All right, sir. Well, we've kind of gone off. Uh, we've kind of gone off. The, uh, <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. You know, can I make one point? Sure. That I think also, because I'm all about proof points, right? Because I talk a lot of shit, if you haven't realized. Um, but, Pop you know, I, what I like to say is I talk a lot of shit that's always backed by both thought and proof points. And when I say we start the conversation and others report on it, um, let me give you a few examples of this, right? Um, every one of those people that you were going to list as competitors, think about this. When we drop an episode of Sneaker Shopping with Joe LaPuma, and whether he's with ASAP or whoever, not only do we break it on our platform, but every one of our so-called competitors reports on our content as the news. And it isn't just that. Everyday struggle goes and we have a conversation every day, Monday through Thursday, about like, here's what's going on in hip hop and hip hop culture. And then everybody jumps on what, we, after we set the narrative. I can keep going on every one of these shows. And when your comp supposed competitors cover you as the news, it's irrefutable. You started the conversation. And that's a proof point. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody really understands I'm not just saying crap. So, sorry. All right. Well, I think that that's a great way to drop the mic on this. Let's make some noise for Rich and Sean. Thanks for listening to episode 10 of the Elevate Talks podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play so that you can catch a new episode every Monday. And if you like what you've heard, leave us a five-star review. We're so appreciative of the people who take the time to let us know what they think. To find out more about Elevate, visit elevate.ca and make sure you pre-register for this year's festival from September 21st to 24th to see some amazing speakers in person and join the party in Toronto.